you're listening to Decidedly Dry. I'm your host, Jess Steitzer. This is a sober podcast where we actually focus on the good. Amazing, right? We spark inspiration. We try to provide some hope and we help motivate you. I promise to always keep it real, provide some dry humor, and remind you every single episode why sobriety is truly a superpower. If you'd like to learn more about the show or make a donation, just head on over to decidedlydry.com. Thank you so much for pushing play today. Let's get started. Today's guest is a new friend of mine, Laura. Laura is a sober mama living out in Oklahoma. Sorry, I couldn't resist. Actually, I have a funny, really quick story about that song. At least, I think it's funny, which is kind of how all my stories start out. I can uh, seriously feel my brother rolling his eyes at me in my head. Okay, so my siblings and I, we grew up with our cousins. Lots of cousins. And let me just say, there were a lot of girls. I have this memory of my mom and my aunt. My aunt was pretty much my second mom. But I remember them teaching us girls that if there was ever someone bothering us, you know, like stranger danger status, we should just belt out at the top of our lungs, Oklahoma, over and over and over again. Chances are that Senor Stranger would probably just think that we were literally nuts and move along. I have no clue why I decided to share that with you. And for the record, I never had to use that technique. But there you go. All right, back to Laura. Laura is a sober mama from you know where. She's been super, super vulnerable and has come here to share her sober story with us today. Her story is unique in my opinion because she actually worked in the alcohol industry for years, even while initially getting sober. I hope that you enjoy our chat. Here's Laura. Well, hello, everybody. Today, I have a great guest for you. Hi, Laura. Thanks for being here today. Hi, I'm so excited. I am so excited to have you here. So, Laura, this is the first time we met, and I'm so thrilled that you wanted to be on the show. So thank you in advance. The best part of my job is, because, well, job, I don't even know if it's a job, but it's just getting to know people. And so mm-hmm. I'm thrilled to hear your story and let you just share everything that you want to share today. So we're going to dive right in. If you can just start out by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself, kind of the basics. So who you are, if you have kids, where you live, job, all that good stuff. Okay. Um, I'm Laura. I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm 33 years old. I've been, that's where I'm born and raised and still live here. Um, I've been married for be nine years in April. My husband is my best friend. He's my partner. He's my, sometimes it's scary. I feel like he knows me and my path better than I do. (laughs) Um, We have a 16 month old son. Uh, That is an adventure. Oh (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Parenthood in itself. Um, Part of my story is parenthood. Um, I can go into that a little bit later, but I work for a PEO, professional employer organization. I recently made a career change. That also is part of my story, but um, it's been a really good change for me. 
it's been I've gotten a lot more of my time back in time with my family so yeah um let's I mean I I like to read when I get the chance I have a 16 month old so a lot of my time is devoted <laughs> to him um I'm very routine I I do like and I think I my husband and I we just we we live a simple life yeah we live a very simple life and I have a lot to be grateful for, for that. So I think simple is good. Simple like, for a long time, you know, I think didn't look appealing for a lot of people. And now it's like, yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I think that we put so much pressure on society to have all these hobbies, all these friends, all these things to be going on. And for some people that works, it works great. I used to, I think I used to be like that, but I think I, uh, my sister's a good example. She's got such a wide array of friend group. She's always constantly doing something. She's got a five-year-old, but that works for her. She thrives on that. Mm -hmm. For me, I like that. Sometimes I get jealous of it, but then I'm also have to look back on what I have and what works for me and my family is just kind of simple. Absolutely. Oh, I love so. that. I love that. And you said a little boy, right? Yeah. His name's oh. Bodie. Oh, how yeah. adorable. Yeah. I have yeah, two boys. He, so fellow boy mom uh, here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's in that phase. We have two dogs. Oh yeah. I have two dogs too. And that's, that's a whole nother. Right. Those are kind of um, like but, kids. <laughs> yeah. One of ours is especially like the most high maintenance thing. He's his own personality. And then our other one just, she just, she lives her own life. She does her thing. <laughs> she does her thing. Oh, so, I love it. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. I want to dive right in. Like I said, okay. we already did our intro. So let's get into the alcohol part. Okay. So, yeah. you, you know, the basis of the whole podcast, right? Where we got to start. So what is your history with alcohol? When did you start? And maybe when did your relationship with alcohol kind of start to shift? Okay, so mine is kind of unique. Um, I grew up in a really, I, I was listening to, I mean, your interviews before that I listened to all the same, like great stable homes. Like, yeah, I drank a little bit in high school. I mean, I wasn't like a huge partier, but if it was around, you know, it was the cool thing to do for us. Um, I grew up in with an older sister who I love dearly. She's probably my other best friend who knows me more than I do myself and our parents are still married they're gonna be I think 45 years maybe I'm not wow. really yeah and I feel like I had a really good stable upbringing like um and I drank a little bit in college um nothing you know nothing to the extent but what really I think got me into it is so I at the age of 21 after I graduated college I fell into working in the alcohol industry. I started to work for a distributor. And at the age of 21, you're still kind of young. Mm -hmm. And you do, you do a lot of life. You do a lot of growing. Um, again, no trauma, no, nothing that really was a quick shift. I think as I just became working in the alcohol industry, I became, more, it was just accessible to me. Right. I had samples left and right when I wanted it. Um, and it just became kind of a convenience of mm -hmm. when I was anxious, oh, there's, a, I'm gonna take a drink. Well, if I've had a long day, I'm gonna have a glass of wine when I get home. And then it just kind of, 
I don't know. I don't have a, there was one thing that happened in my life shifted. I really don't have that one moment. I just, it became very convenient, very mm. easy. And um, my husband who we were dating at the time. So we have obviously, we were dating, did long distance, got married. He moved down here, all of that. And I loved it at the time. I loved my career. I loved my life. I loved working in the industry. I had great friendships, great people around me. And, but then as I started drinking more, it became more of a a problem, I think. Um, I wasn't waking up drinking. I wasn't drinking necessarily on the job unless it was like we were tasting again working selling alcohol for a living you are tasting but um I keep going back to the convenience and it was life and so when I knew I was gonna when I knew it was safe for me to drink I was gonna drink Mm -hmm. I would make excuses of I was doing research and development sure uh, that R&D is a huge term in the alcohol industry. And I was talking about this with somebody that I always could make the excuse and bring it back to my job of my drinking. I was, I could always just say that, oh, I, I'm just tasting or I had to work, which Mm -hmm. I could drink. So I, I mean, it just was a natural involvement. Alcoholism does run in my family. So it was concerning and but I just never really wanted to acknowledge it, that I think I had a problem. So um, fast forward 12 years, I mean, no, sorry. Fast forward probably 2015, 2016. I would say that it was starting to get kind of concerning. And, you know, I heard someone say, am I an alcoholic? You know, you always wonder. But the biggest thing I just, I didn't like who I was waking up and seeing myself as in the morning. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the shame. I, I still remember the way I saw myself in the mirror of like, who are you? This is not who you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I was hiding it from my husband. Um, you know, I could back to my job. He would just think if he saw charges on the credit card or on our bank account that they were samples. Little, I was drinking it myself. You know, I was trying to justify it in my head. I'm just tasting this to expand my knowledge of wine, to expand my knowledge of the vodka. Um, and so that's the biggest shift, I guess, was where I started to hide it. And then I told him I wouldn't, he found out I wouldn't hide it from him anymore. And I continued, Mm -hmm. um, my last drink, I stopped after, I mean, when I was done with work, I had already had like two vodka sodas at made him a double at a restaurant here in town, like a happy hour. And I stopped and got a pint of vodka on my way home, finished. And I'm not a big person. I finished that entire pint of vodka mm. and then added a whole bunch of red wine when we got home. And my husband confronted me about it after he said, I thought you said you were done drinking. Mm. I mean, hiding it from me. And the next morning, that's when I went to AA. Mm hiding it from him was if I had if I didn't make a change I was going to leave to divorce so I had to save my marriage so I guess you could say that was my rock bottom Mm -hmm. but 
more and more it was it was on a path to where I'm I was in a meeting and someone said so I didn't have any legal trouble I never lost a job I never lost my kids family or anything mm-hmm. but my luck was gonna run out eventually right right wow I love hearing that story i worked in the restaurant industry um, for a long Mm -hmm. time. So it was very prevalent there too. Do you feel like it was pushed on you at all from like coworkers or was it just the norm? I mean, that was the industry you lived in. That was the industry and that was the world I lived in. Again, the alcohol industry is not going anywhere, folks. Mm -mm. It's not, Mm -mm. it's not. But when you work in that environment, I mean, I carried around alcohol with me on the daily. I mean, I was just a traveling liquor store selling the product, tasting it to people. And so it just became the norm. It's back to where it became a convenience for me. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're tasting. I don't want you to feel left out. Let me join you. Right, right. And it's no no different than selling anything else. I mean, that was your product. That was what you sold. So, And it's no different than going out to a group of you know, dinner with a group of girlfriends saying, oh, I don't want you to be left out drinking. Or if you're at the bar, have a drink. It was just that socially norm. It was just mm-hmm. the culture of the industry. I never once felt like it was pushed on me. So um, yeah, I just, and then fast forward, I ended up working in still selling alcohol for three and a half years sober. Did you? And, that was my next yeah. question was yeah. what it was like when you started getting sober. Was it so, awkward at all? Was it? Oh was yeah. It different? Everyone thought I was pregnant. Everyone oh, thought I was pregnant immediately. <laughs> and I was just like, no, no. And um, I didn't think about it because I'm coming up on almost four years. And I was thinking about this last night about where I was this time four years ago mm. and um how I did it, I just surrounded myself with really good people. Mm. I, I had a great, great boss at the time. So fast forward, I mean, backtrack a little bit. I, in December of 2017, I was starting to get really recognizing like, this is not who I'm supposed to, I was still drinking and it was getting really heavy. And he was like, well, why don't you go see a counselor? So I went and saw a counselor and there's a great uh, program here at Laureate and I did the intense outpatient program and before I got into that I met with a therapist and this was the first person who ever called me out on my drinking and said Mm -hmm. I think you're an alcoholic wow and to have someone confront you like that out of left field and that was obviously after I lied about how much I was actually drinking yeah yeah we never put the right amount no 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 (laughs) no we don't like we're gonna we're not gonna tell but no he was a he that therapist was in recovery his name was Steve I don't know if he's still working there but um he had over 30 years of experience and you know another alcoholic can really see the Mm -hmm. patterns sure and so he recommended that I go do the chemical dependency program and I immediately it was like no I'm gonna lose my job you know just in tears and it was tears of fear fear of the unknown of taking away alcohol from me and so I was like well no it's not it's not the alcohol it's the anxiety it might be depression so I did an intense outpatient of their mental health program Mm. for five weeks and I really got to learn about a lot a lot about a mental health I mean so 
so good, so educational, so eye-opening. And I still drank through that. It was advised that I shouldn't. So then, um, then after that program, a few more weeks, and then that's when I had the um, evening where my husband kind of, mm-hmm. we needed to figure something out. Yeah. So um, then how I did it, I get, I, I think back about this a lot and it was back to, I had drank enough to where I could still sell it. I would smell things and I would listen to other people about their taste profiles, like what they thought of product. And I really just, and the other thing I hear people say, take change people's places and things. But for me to uproot and totally quit the only industry that I knew, I think that would have caused me a lot more uh, chances for a relapse by immediately changing that. So I, still did that job. I was honest with people. If it was brought up, I never once wanted to make it uncomfortable. Like if I was in a bar and someone tried to buy me a shot, I'd be like, no, I'm just not drinking. Mm -hmm. And then finally, if they were pushing, I'd be like, look, I I can't drink anymore. And then, Mm -hmm. so I I would have to gauge the conversations and, but I never once wanted to make someone feel uncomfortable. I really put myself in a situation that I didn't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you're, you're a sober sales rep trying mm-hmm. to sell alcohol it's gonna cause some questions sure but I was successful I did it um I don't know I just that industry it supported me for so long but I also gave it a lot in return yeah oh how interesting if you're in the restaurant industry or if you're in if you have the ability to change your environment I do suggest that because in my environment you are so at risk for a relapse on the daily right Well, and I'm glad you brought that up because I think when I agreed with you about quitting your job being too much, I think that was mainly because, you know, when you're trying to remove alcohol, sometimes that alone in itself is so much of a change that a lot of people Mm -hmm. in, in the sober world or community, again, I'm not a coach, I'm not an expert, but they do say like one thing at a time, just like with goal setting. Mm -hmm. It's like, do not try to remove that, you know, get you know, a new job, change this, change that, change Mm -hmm. your eating habits, exercise all the time. Like it's going to be too much, like focus on one thing at a time. However, if you are in an environment like you were, I think that might be the one exception where it's like, okay, well, (laughs) if the thing you're trying to remove and quit is being Mm -hmm. thrown in your face every single day, maybe, you know, we, uh, we rethink that rule. (laughs) If I'm Exactly. And that's, and that's why I just, I, I don't want anyone to, I don't want anyone to still do what I did and make excuses to keep drinking because of it was their environment because that's what I did. Right. So you went to AA the next morning and was it one time and you were done? No, I kept going back. I kept going back. Um, I have, that's what I love about your podcast and we can talk on it further later, but AA is what worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the, I was scared out of my mind because I thought AA was for people who were homeless, lived under sure. the bridge sure. or a bunch of drunks. And when I walked in, I was like, who are these people? I, I was thinking about this the other night too. I was like, I felt like I was walking into a foreign country, mm-hmm. like leaving everything I knew behind and having to start a whole new life outside of what I knew. That's what I thought AA was going to do for mm-hmm. me. And the one thing that I got from there 
the first few meetings was just to keep coming back and it gave me hope. Yeah. I saw hope that people, normal people could live a life without drinking. And it wasn't just homeless people. It was people from all walks of life, all ages. Alcoholism doesn't discriminate is something I've loved and picked up from um, AA and sobriety. Yeah. So I, I, I went every day. I just, yeah. and what kept me going was, you know, the monthly chips. I wanted that 30 day. I wanted that 60 totally. day. I wanted that 90. I wanted the year. <laughs> I mean, the night I, I remember so well, it was like the night before I got my year chip was like Christmas Eve. Yeah. Yeah. Cause well, Christmas morning was like, I did it. You did it. I, yeah. Something about that year mark too. Um, it just I was actually in a meeting yesterday and someone's coming up on their year mark. Um, and they were really nervous because they were like, I feel like the year we just kind of hold it up, you know, and we're like, okay, what it's going to be this magical milestone. And then it starts getting overwhelming where it's like, oh my gosh, what if it's not? But I think for a lot of people being able to say, I did every single day of a year sober, every holiday, every, every, every bit of the way, like that is pretty empowering and gives you that confidence and that momentum to keep going. Did you kind of feel the same way? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I remember the first holiday season, my sister just hit a year in January. So we were together over Christmas and I was like, how are you doing? She was like, I'm triggered left and right, mm. but she did it. Mm-hmm. January 2nd was a year. And I remember that. I remember even because you see so many people, you, it's just all these experiences that you're reliving or you're rethinking and the whole way along, you have so much angst about everything that before the first. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, yeah, you're, it, it, it's a big deal mm-hmm. because you didn't even think you could do one day. No. Let alone 365 days. Right. It's a Crazy. big deal. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you for being so transparent and just sharing all of what you've gone through. Um, if you've listened to the show before, you know, this is where we do our big shift, mm-hmm. where we get to focus on the good, which is, you know, one of my favorite parts. So big or small, I would love to know what were some of the benefits that you started to feel once you removed alcohol? Obviously the pink cloud. I think we can all say that we've been there in some way. Um, I think I immediately recognized how much anxiety was alleviated from my day to day because I wasn't so stressed about what and how I was going to hide my drinking and when I was going to be able to drink. Um, and the other thing that I think too also um, wasn't waking up, not hungover. Sure. I mean, the I mean, obvious, but it feels pretty good to wake up yeah, feeling good. I, was, <laughs> I remember first going, like waking up for a spin class on a Saturday morning. It was like the first or second one. I was like, oh, I'm not hungover for this. Look at this me. Is kind <laughs> of, I know this is kind of impressive. I'm not like sweating out the alcohol. Right. Um, but the other thing I think that now, when I reflect on it is probably being present, mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. present at the moment with my family at the time. So, That's so great. Um, yeah, that was I think those were the first few things that I noticed immediately mm-hmm. and the sugar craving now d- good or bad. Um, totally didn't recognize how much sugar I was consuming just from the amount of wine I was consuming. Mm-hmm. I, I was totally like, 
give me all the sugar, like the, oh, the withdrawals, sure. the withdrawals I noticed too. Yeah. I, you don't have to be going into a treatment center. You don't have to be going into a hospital for detox. You don't have to be going since you can go through your own detox. And I was asking my cousin, who's a registered nurse. I'd be like, is this normal? And I'd ask the people in the AA, like, is this normal? I remember somebody told me a couple, I think it was a couple of weeks in they were like, I noticed your face isn't as red. Mm-hmm. And the, I used to call them, I don't know if I can say this, the emergency shits. I remember I would have to stop somewhere. Last and just thing that shit. I thought you would say. <laughs> That's okay. Everything is welcome here, and you okay, know, I didn't mom know to mom, cuss, poop but is not you know off limits. So I didn't. I would. I like towards the like the last year. Um, I have a friend that she and I used to talk about like where I'd have to stop to use the bathroom because it'd be like, oh, it's coming. And it's so time. I even went and saw a gastroenterologist, like, cause I thought I was having like, ga- like diarrhea problems. Mm-hmm. He even thought it was the alcohol, but didn't want, you know, no, it wasn't that. So, anyway. <laughs> I don't mean to, I'm not laughing at you. I no, just love that. Like I, we can talk about laugh- it because it's a laughable situation when nothing in is height, off when limits you think about it in height. When you think about it in hindsight, <laughs> that is, we even ignored like the factors of that. So yeah, Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I don't think we can top that, but tell me what is most important in your life at this moment? Like any new hobbies, accomplishments, things that you've welcomed in your sobriety, you know, journey. Motherhood. Hmm. Sobriety gave me the opportunity to be a mom. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm 33. We got married. I think I was 24. So we've been married seven years. Um, all honesty, I think one reason why I had a kid later in life was because of my drinking. I was kind of the opposite of a woman who want a woman who could go nine months without drinking. I remember when I got my nine month chip, I was in shock that I had made it that long because I knew you couldn't drink while you were pregnant. Mm-hmm. So why would I want to go nine months without drinking? I was selfish. I was selfish in that aspect that um, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to have to go nine months without drinking. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. I mean, to go that long without drinking and to change your whole life. I mean, now you've got this responsibility. Yeah. But I was just in the fourth. I was like, I didn't want to. So, um motherhood is the most important and I know I heard you guys on another the one I think you just released last week you know my family is my most important Mm -hmm. but um I recently made a career change in the fall October I left the alcohol industry after 12 years and that was scary that was Mm -hmm. but it was time I outgrew that industry it wasn't I still respect that industry I still respect the things about it, but it wasn't becoming a healthy environment for me mm-hmm. anymore. So I made a career change and now my new job, I love the culture of my company. My manager's phenomenal. The people I work with are great, but I now have the ability to use my sobriety as a platform. And awesome. I think that's really important for me now to be able to use my, to be able to talk I mean, yes, I've talked about my sobriety in AA, kind of in closed spaces. Mm-hmm. 
but to do it in a public format and maybe know that I could just touch one person yeah. that's something I'm I'm it's important to me now that's why I wanted to come onto this podcast it's a pretty cool it's, feeling to know that you could share you know be so transparent about your story and yeah. reach even just one person so that they don't feel alone like we did right and to yeah, just normalize because- it and say hey like no there are more people out there that are going through mm-hmm. what you went through or vice versa yeah like because that's that's the thing that we I shouldn't say we I want should say myself I felt so alone in how I was feeling I felt so alone so like and then after I heard people share their stories and experiences with me I was like a bunch of light bulbs I'm like I'm not alone right like they all think the same way or think the same things or did the same things and that's what I think is cool about the opportunity to speak about your story. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And, you know, not only did we feel alone, but we felt like no one else drinks like I do or nobody, nobody has cocktails, you know, and then comes home and finishes a bottle of wine. Like, you know, I'm just, I'm so alone in this. No one else does this or how do they have one glass? And they're fine and don't have more, <laughs> you know. I know. I remember confusing. Time, I know. I remember one time, like I was at a out at a pub crawl, and this was in sobriety. And like one guy was like, only had had like one cocktail, and I'm like, how? Right. How? But it takes people to be takes courage for people to be honest, right? Right. And share how what they're struggling with, and that's what I got in the rooms of AA, and that's what I've gotten further is along in sobriety with podcast listening mm-hmm. and just the people that I do talk with. Um, I get to hear the stories and it's not just about alcohol. It's kind of opens the door for conversations about anything with mental health. Sure. I totally And agree. that's what, and that's what I think it's so important. So one thing I didn't want to talk about was uh, five. So 2020, I was pregnant. I had my son in September, but towards that summer, I kind of got lazy with going to AA, probably about mm-hmm. five months, five days after I had my son, I looked at my husband. I said, I have to go to a meeting. Mm-hmm. I went into the meeting and this group saved me. Mm-hmm. They saved my sobriety 100%. And because I felt so raw, so exposed in a way that I felt like I was in new sobriety again. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And that it's so hard to explain. And maybe it was just, I had a really smooth pregnancy. I had a, I don't, my postpartum was pretty mild. I do feel like, but I, there's something about it. Your mm-hmm. world's just changed. Mm-hmm. And no one talks about really the, you know, like we talk about sobriety, but I feel like it's back to the mental health in general, that culture, there's still so much stigma to it that I want people to be more educated and willing to listen and not so judgmental about mental health and how it affects people individually. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially postpartum. I mean, you were That's a, a whole mom. other topic. You were a new yeah. mom and you're supposed to, I feel like we have this whole other layer of pressure of, mm-hmm. well, you're a mom, you should be able to handle it, whatever it is, you know, like you have exactly. this responsibility that you should be handling it all. And luckily these conversations are, are becoming more present, you know, now, but 
I mean, back then you're, you're sober, you're a new mom and you have this humongous change, you know, you needed that support yeah. group that has held your hand through one of your biggest changes to date, you know? Yeah. And I feel like there's still this expectation in this culture of hard stuff gets ignored. It doesn't get talked about. And I don't feel like women really talk about it. And, um, like I was open, I was like, I am, I thought I was going to want to try breastfeeding. That's not for me, mm-hmm. but for some women, that's where they connect. And it's things like that. And it's kind of relatable to about sobriety as that just the protective, the protectedness of those conversations mm-hmm. are still very, um, it's depending upon who you're talking with and what you're, they're willing to re- disclose. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think sobriety sometimes, I mean, I'm just kind of thinking about it as you were talking about it. I mean, it can be related to motherhood so much, you know, there's no right or wrong way to do sobriety, to quit drinking. There's no wrong or right way to mother or be a parent. You know, you have to do what's right for you when it comes to your sobriety and you have to do what's right for you in motherhood because it's always going to be different and to accept that and not shame one another for their choice. I love that. That's what you, cause I, I was wanting to talk about this because I think I love that you brought that up because thank you. Um, my sister just hit a year sober and, um, it's been really cool to talk with her about her journey. Mm-hmm. AA is not for her. She's found her recovery on TikTok, hey. And I'm like, I don't even <laughs> own a TikTok. <laughs> but that's back to what you said is there's not one right or wrong way to recovery or sobriety. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, that is also what I want people to get into their heads about. You don't have to go to AA and work the 12 steps to right. be in recovery. And I, that was my sister's journey educated me onto that. Mm. Yep. And I mean, thankfully we live in a time right now where there are so many options. I mean, Mm -hmm. you have AA, you have all of these online groups that you can join with virtual meetings every single day. You've got TikTok apparently. I love that. Like, do what works yeah. for you. <laughs> you know, I Podcast. love that you brought it. Yeah. Podcasts, books. I mean, we live in a very exciting time in this sober movement, I feel like, where there's just a lot of options, which is really, really exciting. It's really exciting. And I think it's starting to become more recognized that dry January is a thing. Mm-hmm. Even in the alcohol industry, I feel like it's starting to get recognized that we need to accommodate I know that before I left are a lot of like lower calorie wines lower calorie uh spirits and kind of recognizing for the health of people who are drinking um but I know that they're like well you want to make sure you have mocktails for dry January and be more inclusive yep yep because 100% recovery is becoming more than just the rooms of AA and I truly believe it and feel it that it's and I'm excited about it my friend who lives in LA I talked to her this last weekend she was getting ready she's doing dry January she can drink wine like normal but she does dry January and she was headed to a non-alcoholic bottle shop I was like jealous (laughs) I texted my sister I said uh Sarah you're gonna be so jealous of this but I if that stuff's starting to happen 
mm-hmm. like brick and mortar, like non-alcoholic bottle shops, it's coming. It's coming. And it's, and it's going to be more and more accepted socially. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, well, we're wrapping up a little, a little bit towards the end. Makes me sad. Oh, no. I love this conversation, but um, looking forward, what will this new chapter, like what lies ahead that excites you, that brings you joy and, and hope? So I have had the opportunity to go to Europe four times. And the last time I went, it was on a wine trip. Hmm. I looked at my husband, we're going to Ireland and Scotland in July. And I'm actually really looking forward to going sober. Sober parenting is my, my, we might have an only child. That might be the situation. I don't know, but I'm just (laughs) parents. I love my child. Um, But I really look forward to the opportunity to be able to use my voice. Um, I look forward to four years. It'll be February 21st. So I think I count, I know you talked about days, but it'll be three weeks from Monday. And I look forward to celebrating that with my family. Yep. Um, And I look forward to this new career path. I really do. Um, I'm learning a whole lot. I look forward to the opportunities ahead of me with that. And I look forward to just continue like simple way of life, you know, right now, you know, just working out. That's my me time, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the weekends. I look forward to the weekends, not having to worry about work. I look yeah. forward to that. So I don't know if that answers the question, but absolutely, absolutely. It does. I mean, and, and what an amazing reminder that there is so much beauty in the slowdown, like keeping it simple. Like I'm excited to yeah. just be present and enjoy this life that I've worked hard to create, you know? So I'm so excited for you. Yeah. And oh, I'm also excited if my sister and I can build, um, kind of back to what I said, that there's more to recovery than just the rooms of AA. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister and I felt like there was a need for that. So I'm really looking forward to hopefully building a little bit of a community for mocktails and mingles here yeah. in my hometown of just to organic growth and just to welcome more people to recovery that may not necessarily feel comfortable or willing to go to AA. I love AA and I'm never going to, um, be disrespectful for it, but I, I truly feel that there is a stigma that comes with it. And I want to educate people, find the right place for you, but for some people it just hasn't worked. And so I want to be more in- inclusive and in expanding on educating on recovery mm-hmm. and welcoming people to tell them what's worked for them. Yeah. How exciting. Keep me posted on that. I'll be excited yeah. to hear what you guys come up with. That would be so fun. Yeah. We've only met a few times, but um, I, I, I'm excited about it. Mm-hmm. I'm excited that I have to have a sister is a special bond, uh, but to have a sister who's sober mm-hmm. and my sister was the first person I called the morning before I went to age. She was, so she got to watch me in my early sobriety when she was still drinking. Mm-hmm. And now to have my sister and I be able to talk about that experience, but then to have her sober, she went on, uh, she, she actually had a date last night and she was cons- like, she doesn't. I said, does he know about your sobriety? She goes, I don't know, but it's important to me. So I'm going to make sure he knows about it. And that, that, that means something to me. Yep. Yep. It sure does. That's, yeah. So to have my sister to walk through this journey and see what can come of that, that's, I'm really excited about that too. 
It's like a special bond. I mean, sisterhood is already a special bond, but to put mm -hmm. a layer of, you know, just a passion for recovery on it, it makes yeah. it even, even more special. I love that. Yeah. To do it together. Yep. Oh, how good. All right. Well, my last thing, my friend mm -hmm. is a part where you can kind of give some inspiration to someone listening. So to the people that are listening right now, feeling inspired and ready to make a change, what advice can you give them? You're not alone. Be vulnerable, be honest, and accept that you might need help. Mm. And it's okay to ask for help. Um, I'm going to do the fallback of maybe give AA a shot. Don't give up on AA because I know it works. Give the people of AA a try. Hmm. Maybe not the entire program. Maybe not the intimidation of the steps. I haven't worked the steps. Full transparency. But it's a safe place to go with people who truly want to see you better yourself. Hmm. Um, don't be afraid to talk to a counselor. And just remember it's 24 hours at a time. Mm -hmm. The saying, this too shall pass, really helps me. And you can live a whole beautiful life without having to drink. Your relationships may change, but that's also just life. Mm -hmm. We all have seasons of life that we go through. We all have ups and downs, um, but you can do it sober. Mm -hmm. Amen, sister. I couldn't have said it better. I mean, and you hit on everything community, you know, being brave and vulnerable and just not giving up. Take it one day at a time. As cliche as that saying is, it, it, it couldn't be more true. <laughs> so believe in yourself and just focus on today. Today, I'm not drinking. That's all you need to think. Um, there was a guy who just passed away from AA, and I remember. There is a few sayings that they hang up on the wall. It says, live easy, but think first. Mm, I love and that. And I truly, yeah. I mean, just one day at a time. So good. So good. Well, Laura, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, are you comfortable with me sharing like your Instagram handle at all in oh, the show notes? Yeah. Or yeah, think? absolutely. It's a, I, it is a private account. So I just, um, I would have to accept friends, but yeah, I, Maybe if they want to drop you a message or anything. Yeah, send me a message and then just, okay. I'm I'm an open book. And somebody who has worked around alcohol for a long time, I know that I might get lots of questions or yeah. if anything. But I just, I want to be, I want to be here for someone. I just, I know what you're going through. So, yeah. Well, I guarantee that you have just touched many. So it is an honor to have you here. I will include your handle in the show notes just in case anyone wants to send a message. And I just want to say thank you. It, it takes guts to come out and tell your story and be real. So I appreciate you. Thank you for so much for the opportunity. And I'm so excited to continue to listen and hear your, your show grow and evolve. You, your, the stories are what touch people. And so I'm just honored to be part of it. Well, thank you, Laura. And have an amazing day. You too. Bye. If you'd like to learn more about the show or make a donation, you can head over to decidedlydry.com. 
If you enjoy the show, the best way to support it is to subscribe and to leave an awesome rating or review over on Apple Podcasts. It's sure been a treat spending this time with you. And just remember, if the only thing you did today was stay sober, you are winning. I'll see you next time.